Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, good morning this morning. It's a Friday. I love Fridays. Why do I love Fridays? Well, because I'm taking my wife out to dinner tonight. We're having date night. All this is going to get gussied up. <laughs> yeah, it is. Hey, I got to tell you, I got to start with this. So I'm down here. Right next to me is a Peloton bike. I come down and my beautiful wife is getting it done, man. She's on the Peloton. And what does she have right there? Right there. Real Housewives of, it's either the OC or Beverly Hills. All right, Lisa Rema. And it was kind of ironic. They're sitting there in one of these reunion shows with Andy Cohen, who, by the way, seems like a really nice guy. But anyway, Andy Cohen is talking to all these dolled up, I don't know, thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars in makeup, hundreds of thousands of dollars in dresses, And these ladies are sitting around whining about social media. Social media is mean to us. Social media is not nice to us. You know what you can do, ladies? Seriously. First, without social media, y'all wouldn't have jobs. At least that job. You'd have other jobs, but you wouldn't have that show. All right? Second, I got to tell you, uh, I'm looking at my phone right now. And you know what I can do with my phone right now? I can put it down. I don't have to scroll through social media. I don't have to go through and go, oh my God, what is everybody saying? Oh my God, I can't, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. What am I saying? What, why are you being mean to me? Why are you mad? Oh my God, you, you know, it's a phone. Put it down. Hey, Lee, how you doing? How's everything going? It, I mean, I, I got caught up yesterday with a guy who's the sham wow of jewelry. <laughs> the guy, it was interesting. It was actually fascinating to me. He is a Biden supporter, and anything that I said, and then a couple of people that follow me said, we were all stupid idiots, MFers, blah, 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 blah. And it fascinated me to the point that for the first time in maybe a year or two, I actually went back and forth and stayed on it. With, it was just fascinating. And then I got in my car to drive home, and you know what I did? I turned it off. I called my wife. I drove home. My daughter was home. It was nice. I went back to it at night while the NFL was playing, and I'll get to the NFL in a minute. But I went to the NFL, and I went back to it and got social media. Like, you don't have to read all the crapola that is being thrown your way. I know it's addictive. But I'm looking at these ladies that have made bazillions. And two thoughts. One was that. The other one was, here's the deal. Rich people telling other rich people how fabulous they are, it gives me gas. And I finally figured out that I don't know how you are, but I don't get invited to a lot of, you know, quote, high society things. I I get invited to stuff, but I never like to go. Because looking at self-important rich people telling other self-important rich people 
how awesome they are, giving them awards or whatever, isn't really my thing. It's actually fairly funny to me. Oh, my God, Jamie Lee Curtis, you're the most wonderful person. Oh, my God, Sally, you're the best. Oh, my God, you're, I mean, no. So those two things hit me like my brother. My brother has to go. My brother is raising money for major events, and he has to go. And we've always said this about uh, my brother. We call him Senator Bullshit, you know, because, man, he can talk to everybody. I can't talk to anybody. Like, I sit in the corner, tr- truly to this day. Like, we'll go out to dinner tonight, and I'll be nice to everybody. I will. I'll be nice to every single human being that walks up and says hello. I swear to God I will. I'll be awesome. I'll take pictures. You know, if anybody wants it. A lot of times people do. Sometimes people don't. Doesn't matter. But generally, when I go out in Indy, I know mo- I-, I know some people. Not most, but some. And I don't. Mo- I like that, actually. I-, I do. I like it. People are nice. You know, all that. But going to something pretentious, going to something where so you should come to our Colts event. I always say, look, I'll tell you what, I, I can't make it, but I'll, send me the auction items. I'll buy some. You should come to, a, I'd love to, but I can't make it. What's it cost for somebody? I'll sponsor two people to go. That's what I do. And I'm not, I don't have a lot of money, but that's what I do. I'd rather do that then go sit there and have uncomfortable conversations. I went to IU uh, football game, and the thing that I do at IU football games is I have about four hours of uncomfortable conversation. I'm not complaining. It's just the way it is. Some people love it. But I don't want to see sitting here listening to a bunch of incredibly overinflated, egoed, uh, real housewives of something complaining because somebody was mean to me on social media. Bah! Stick it where the sun don't shine, as they used to say. Then I got some lady here talking about Wink Martindale, and I turned on my TV trying to get a little information, and and, uh, whoever this person is on GetUp, she must have used 16 different cliches in a minute and a half. It was a record. It caught me. He's a coach that people want to play for. He's a player's coach. Coaching matters. I'm like, geez, lady, give it a break. (laughs) These things hit me right before the show. And I got to talk about them. Thursday night football. I am going to be very consistent with this. I'm going to be very, very consistent with what I'm saying to you. Thursday night football, okay? Thursday night football is a train wreck. It is. It is. It's a train wreck. Thursday night football, it's, it's like what Al Michaels said last week. It's almost so bad that it's good. Now, I, Dylan and Ryan, I don't know if we could play the quote that I just sent you to, um, uh, from Ron Rivera, but if we can, just send me a text and let me know. But Ron Rivera was mad, man. He was bigly mad. He, he, was, he was bigly, bigly mad. Like, he's mad that people were criticizing Carson Wentz. He's the guy that criticized Carson Wentz. He's the guy that said, what's the problem with your team? Quarterback. Well, are you mad that you brought the quarterback here? No. He's done some good things, but it's quarterback. <laughs> and now, I'm telling you, we live, I'm, I am not of this world. We live in a world where you just say whatever you want. Pound on the desk. Say whatever you want. Do we have Rivera from last night? Or there was some swearing in it, so maybe we can't do it. <laughs> Pound on the desk. I'm mad. You're, you're treating... You're treating Carson Wentz wrong. All right, Carson Wentz was 12 of 22, 99 yards. 
Hell, I can throw for 99 yards in the NFL, and I've got a shoulder uh, that's been surgically corrected probably two or three times. Carson Wentz was abysmal. Now, I'll give Justin Fields this. Justin Fields can run. Justin Fields and Carson Wentz, they couldn't hit a bull in the ass. What's right? They couldn't hit a bull in the backside with a base fiddle. So you got a base fiddle, you got a bull, and you take a swing, and you try to hit it right in the backside. They were throwing it. They were like wild thing. They were high and outside, low and down. They were god awful. And this guy, Curtis Samuels, to quote, I don't even know who said it. Maybe it was Denny Green. He can't catch a nosebleed. I'm telling you, that dude is dropping it left and right. The 12 to 7. Didn't know if there was going to be a touchdown. Finally, this poor kid, uh, Velvis Jones, he drops a punt, hits him right in the face which is perfect for Thursday night football. Hits him right in the face. Somehow his legs give out, and he goes to field a punt, and he's kind of like this. You know, he's kind of looking because he's on the ground, he's on his knees, and the ball hits him right in the face. And then the ball's like right there, and he doesn't jump on it. Next thing you know, uh, Washington recovers, and a great story. Brian Robinson scores a touchdown, like, I don't know, two months after getting shot three times. That's a hell of a deal. That's a great story, Brian Robinson. That's a great story. I am all in on all of it. I'm not going to lie to you. I think it's all great, but the NFL has become boring. Now, I know, I know, well, you're not going to watch the Chiefs and the Bills. I'm going to watch every game. What are you, insane? I'm going to watch every freaking game. What do I got to do? Yeah, but I'm not going to watch it like I did to start the season because I find it very boring. And a lot of people are agreeing with me. Yeah, I know Slappy Johnny is going to say, well, Dawkins, you don't know nothing. No, Slappy Johnny, sit down. Sit, sit down, okay? Shut up. You know, we always got Slappy Johnny out there. We got, you know, we got Susie and Slappy Johnny, and it just, it, it gives you gas. But Susie and Slappy Johnny and me, I watch. I'm going to watch. It's, it's the hype, but this is getting bad. Flags all the time. As Tom Brady said, bad play. Do we have the Rivera? I know they're working on it. But anyway, so Slappy Johnny's mad at me because I said, hey, look, this isn't great. All right. It isn't great. You know who agrees with me? The great Sean Salisbury. The great Sean Salisbury, because I put a tweet out last night that said, hey, look, this ain't going great. This is getting boring. It is, too. And I said, this is going to be an unpopular tweet. Well, he didn't think it was an unpopular tweet. Sean's my friend. He's like, no, that's a very should be a very popular tweet because it's true. All right, let's hear from Ron Rivera talking about a quarterback that he crushed. Rivera crushed. Give it to me, baby. Get on you. They've played their asses off. They have. They played their asses off for everybody. They come out and they show up. They work hard. All right. They don't complain. Okay. They hear all this stuff and they got to deal with it. I get that. I respect them for it because they're resilient. They come out. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I don't want anything to do with Carson. Well, bull****. I'm the guy that pulled out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape in the freaking, when we were in Indianapolis. Okay? And that's what pisses me off. Because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm sorry, I'm done. You're the guy that did it. He doesn't deserve to have that all. You're the guy. You're the head coach. You were asked a question. What's the difference between you 
and everybody else in the NFC East, and you very smugly, in your little sweater, said quarterback. And then they asked you, well, I mean, are you mad that you brought the quarterback? And then he had a chance to clarify the statement. This guy, the guy yelling at everybody for not protecting Wentz or for criticizing Wentz. The guy that's yelling, Ron Rivera, let me set it for you. The head coach, the guy that's doing the screaming. Okay? He's the guy when asked, NFC teams playing well, your team, not so much. What's the difference? Quarterback, Rivera said. Then he was asked again, well, would you make the same decision? Quarterbacks played well at times, but yeah, quarterback. So he threw the guy, rolled him over the bus, as Alex Smith said, and now he's mad at everybody else. Do we ever, ever, ever take accountability? Look, I don't think anybody has to apologize for anything. Ron Rivera should have said after he said the quarterback thing, yeah, I said it, tough, play better. And if people couldn't understand that, then you got to go, oh, okay. But instead, Rivera went like he does. Remember the Jack Del Rio thing, woke Ron? You know, he find his defensive coordinator. What are you doing? Anyway, he went and apologized to the entire team. Now, think about that. I said the quarterback's not playing as well as other quarterbacks in the NFC. This quarterback is being paid a zillion dollars. And the coach had to go back and apologize. How sensitive are athletes today? I'm telling you, an athlete could not live one day in my shoes, walking around catching the crap that I catch on a daily basis. He couldn't. Oh, they would cry. They would bitch. They would moan. They would fall down. Honest to God. Honest to freaking God. They, uh, could you imagine? <laughs> no, he said mean things to me. I get told all kinds of stuff. I get called all kinds. I get articles. These guys, nobody's apologizing to me, and I don't want anybody to. Walk like a damn man. Sack the hell up. All right, I said this last night on Twitter. I said this yesterday on my show, and I'm not going to stop saying it. Daniel Snyder and the, quote, dirt that he has on NFL owners is a complete non-story. You think it is. You think it's a big story. ESPN, you notice today, not talking much about it, because the blowback, not great. Daniel Snyder, they said, has dirt, has been getting dirt on other NFL owners. What do you think reporters do? What do you think a guy like Greg Doyle here in Indianapolis, when he writes a hit piece on me, what's he doing? He tried and tried and tried. The only thing he could come up with is no one would nominate me for the Hall of Fame basketball in Indiana, which was a lie my high school coach did. (laughs) I mean, they try. That's... Everybody tries to do that in this day and age. Why do you think people go back and look at old tweets of guys like Josh Allen and others? Because that's what every little slap reporter's trying to do. And they're mad because a guy that owns a billion-dollar it business is doing the same to protect his business? Are you insane? Of course he should do that. Oh, my God. Did you see he hired private investigators? Amen. I said this yesterday, I'll say it again. I know three guys that hired private investigators to follow their wives. I know two women, I just found out yesterday, that did it to their husbands. I don't know that many people, but I know five people off the top of my head that hired private investigators in a divorce that probably cost one at most a million dollars. Not billions of dollars. 
me tell you something. I'm hiring private investigators today, tomorrow, and the next day. Well, the other thing, this guy, Seth Wickersham, or whatever this sorry-ass guy's name is, well, you know, Jerry Jones usually defends Daniel Snyder. He's not talking. Jerry Jones got a season, you idiot. Jerry Jones has a season. Period. Does he care about some made-up report? And that was the same thing with me, my guy Doyle. Well, no one's defending doctors. Nobody in my world cared. Just some little garbage-eating minion writing a, a, a hit piece. Who cares? <laughs> Honest to God, Jerry Jones isn't defending. He's not defending. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, wow, really? No kidding. That's it? Wow. You, really? That's it. Okay. Daniel Snyder's a dirtbag. Whatever you got to do, if you got to vote him out, vote him out. That's your choice. Not anybody else's choice. That's your choice. However the rules set up, if you're going to vote him out, vote him out. But this article is nothing. This article is crap. This article is typical. Guess who played last night? The commanders. When did the article come out? Yesterday. It's another typical BS hit piece on an easy target. That's all it is. It's just an easy target. And it's funny to me. It really is. If I'm Daniel Snyder and I'm Robert Sarver and I look at Draymond Green punching somebody in the workplace, there is zero chance, and I look at the punishment of Draymond Green, there is zero chance I'm selling my team over workplace environment issues. Yes, I would seek help. Yes, I would make it right publicly. Yes, I would reach out to anybody that was hurt. And if I needed to pay him, I'd pay him. But I am not selling based on anything in the workplace after I saw the reaction of the owners slash general manager slash coach of the Golden State Warriors. And I understand people don't understand this. I understand people, a lot of people are not smart, are not smart enough to understand the fact that these are corollaries. These are consistent with one another. I got people saying, what does Draymond Green got to do with these guys? You don't understand? Workplace is the workplace, whether it's with the Warriors in the NBA offices, at OutKick, wherever. MS Communications, Radio 1, the workplace is the workplace. And I don't think I should have to give away my franchise because, well, frankly, I said and writ stupid things, wrote stupid things. I got to make amends. I must make amends. G. Hastings, how does DG situation even relate to the NFL? Supporting the owner is on brand for you and who you work for. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe we think logically. If I'm going to lose my franchise about workplace environments and I see a player knock another player out in the workplace and nothing's done, screw you. I'm not giving up my franchise. I'll get the help I need. I'll do all the stuff that makes me look better and you look better, but I ain't giving it up. Period. And if you don't understand that, tough. And what Daniel Snyder did, shoot, are you kidding? I live in the real world. Are you kidding me? I live in a world where when I was like 10 years old, I used to go with a neighbor to collect gambling debts. <laughs> the real world. Well, you know, Daniel Snyder hired a private eye. Yeah, so did sweet Sally down the street to go get cheating Jimmy. See what he's up to. See what hotel he's staying. Just stop. Jeez. I guarantee you those other owners are like, oh, man, I hope they don't come at me because they'll find a hell of a lot worse than that. 
They're not worried about the story. They're worried about the dirt. You ever hear the name Jordan Alvarez, best left-handed hitter in the world? He's the new big poppy without steroids, allegedly. Look, here's the deal. Jordan Alvarez hit a bomb yesterday. They were down the Houston Astros, two to one. Alvarez, boom, hits a bomb. Yeah, he did. I mean a bomb. And next thing you know, 371 feet, not that big a bomb, but bomb enough. They're up. You know what he did in game one? Three-run Johnson, walk-off, bottom of the ninth. He's become the most clutch guy since David Ortiz. Luis Castillo was only throwing at about 100, the pitcher for the Mariners. He was only gassing it up to like 102, 98, 101, 99, 110. I mean, I don't even know. And my man stood in there and just whap. Yeah. And tonight, or this afternoon, this is awesome. This afternoon, we've got the Yankees and the Guardians. Now, look, last night we had football, so that covered my must-see TV. Today, I'm going to be doing a radio show during the Yankees and the Guardians. Don't be surprised if the Guardians don't get it done today, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why, but I think they're going to get it done today. I just feel it. But I love the fact that we got afternoon baseball. I think it's awesome. Hey, you know what I've got upstairs? True story. I got some CBD called Charlotte's Web. Friend of mine, I got bad knees. Friend of mine told me, hey, you got to get this stuff, Charlotte's Web. What's Charlotte's Web? Isn't that a book I had to read like in freshman English or something? Is that a dirty porn book? What is that? No, it's CBD stuff. Kind of expensive. I got it upstairs. I used it a little. Nah, it's fine. I'm not mad at it. I didn't use it enough. I don't ever use anything enough other than pizza. That I use enough. But Charlotte's Web becomes, and I want to make sure I've got this right, the first major U.S. sports league to partner with a CBD sponsor. Major League Baseball. I don't blame them. A lot of people swear by CBD. I swear by tequila. I do. (laughs) I do. I swear by Tylenol and tequila. There ain't nothing wrong with Tylenol and tequila after a hard day. Look, I got four things. I went like that, four things. Oh, my God, I made an okay sign. We gotta, we're going to talk about that in a second. What's wrong with you people? I do four things now every day. Number one, I get 10,000 steps. Number two, I get on this elliptical and I do at least a mile a day. Don't laugh at me. Then I get on the Peloton and I do at least 10 to 15-minute rides, sometimes 20, depends on how I feel. And then these women on these Peloton shows – like the weight workout, 10-minute weight workout, before you laugh at me, try one. They'll kill you. They'll kill you dead. They'll kill you. So I try to do those four things, 10,000 steps, Peloton weight workout, Peloton bike workout, and a mile on an elliptical. By the end of the day, I'm done. D-U-N. Five hours of talking, two hours of looking at me right here in the screen. It's hard, people. So what do I get? A little tequila and a couple Tylenol, and I feel fine. Maybe I should go with CBD. I'm not mad at CBD, and neither should you. Neither should you. So good for Major League Baseball. It wasn't so long ago where the hierarchy of USA sports, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, or hockey, wanted nothing to do with gambling. How's that going for you? (laughs) You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a gambling app. Uh, weed, CBD, all that kind of stuff, because people actually think CBD is weed. Uh, Let me give you a hint. THC is weed. 
not TLC, the singers, THC. That's weed. You got gummies upstairs? That's weed. You got gummies in your car? That's weed. You're smoking something? That's weed. THC. It's not C- CBD. I get confused. Hey, speaking of things, I mean, this is an interesting back and forth where I'm, I'm not mad at it because it gives content, but we don't need content this time of year. But all of a sudden, Phil Mickelson... He seems all in on the live tour. Phil Mickelson went from, oh, I don't know. Uh, I, let's see. Being a pariah, going away for a little bit, coming back, saying, I'm all in on the live tour. I'm going to sue the PGA tour. I'm not going to sue the PGA tour. The PGA tour and the live tour should live in harmony together. Okay. And now, now this. Let's hear from Phil Mickelson. Made some comments um, about this country last year, which you've apologized for. I just wonder how you feel about now you're here. Have you changed your opinion? So uh, I will reiterate, I never did an interview with Alan Shipnick, and I I find that my experience with everybody associated with Live Golf has been nothing but incredibly positive. Uh, and I have the utmost respect for everybody that I've been involved. We kind of cut it there, but everybody I've been involved with. Now, he chose his words very carefully, right? I mean, he did. Let's be honest. So he now is saying that, you know what? I didn't do an interview with this idiot. I don't know the truth to that. One guy seems to think that he did. And I don't really care because some media guy is going to come back. And, and Mickelson will never win that fight. Because media on media love is uh, the best kind of love. But anyway, uh, Mickelson now is fully backing the Live Tour. So good. You know what? Again, one of the reasons I talked about rich guys talking about rich guys is this whole thing. Bunch of rich white dudes talking about other rich white dudes trying to make more rich white dudes more rich white money. That's what it is. I can get down with it. That's fine. Do whatever you like. But it does get a little exhausting listening to rich white dudes discuss rich white dudes with rich white dudes trying to make rich white dudes more money. That's all I'm saying. All right. Shall we move along? I think we shall. Is there any update on Bryce Young? Bryce Young, the reigning, well, we all know the reigning Super Bowl, or excuse me, uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy champ. They get ready, Alabama does, to go into Neyland Stadium and take on the vaunted Tennessee Vols. We were supposed to have Philip Fulmer on, but Coach Fulmer had a family emergency. We'll get him on next week. Maybe the Vols win. It'll be a better show. But anyway, according to WBRC, Sheldon Haygood in Tuscaloosa, he is saying Bryce Young will not play against Tennessee this Saturday. Uh, Bryce suffered an AC joint sprain in his throwing shoulder against Arkansas been practicing, but the rehab is not going as fast as they would like. So I don't know. Sheldon Haygood. Now, I I don't know if Sheldon Haygood is a real person. I assume he is. I don't know. But Sheldon says he's not playing. He's in Tuscaloosa. So there you go. That's the latest update. Do I believe it? I don't know. But we are. Let's hear from Nick Saban. We've got a Nick Saban quote. He's been practicing some. I think it comes down to how he feel, how he feel, and we feel. 
that he can throw the ball effectively enough. He's not going to hurt himself by doing it. I just don't know how much it will hurt him if he does it. He's done it on a limited basis, so that's the question. Nobody's going to know until Saturday comes. He won't throw. He won't know it. I won't know it. Nobody will know. And I know he wants to play. He thinks he can play, and we'll see. There you go. This will not factor in, all right? Because I already got people saying, well, you know, if he plays and he gets hurt, Saban's going to get crushed. By who? (laughs) I mean, by who? Who is going to crush Nick Saban? Well, you know, he's going to get crushed. Oh, okay. Oh, really? Uh, They're going to crush Nick? Okay, that's fine. Well, you know what? Um, Good. Here's the deal. I don't think he's going to play based on that quote. I don't think that he is going to play because it doesn't sound like he's ready to play. You know, it always fascinated me because the thing that I thought always when I was a player was if you are going to practice, then you're going to play. Now, I'm not saying that's right, and I understand it's totally different in football. But that was kind of like, hey, look, I remember when I had mononucleosis, and I'm like, hey, I can practice. They're like, well, no, you can't. Because if you can practice, you can play. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I don't. I can't, in practice, I can run up and down twice and go out. You know what I mean? So, all right, well, we shall see. We heard from Saban. We heard from Haygood. We'll see what's going on. Gun to head, which is the way I always do things, I don't think that he is going to play. One of the most heinous people in this country is a man named Nicholas Cruz. Nicholas Cruz is the Parkland shooter. Nicholas Cruz killed people. Nicholas Cruz somehow, some way, avoided the death penalty. 17 students and staff were killed on the 14th of February, 2018, by this guy. So this guy, Nicholas Cruz, decided it was a good idea to go kill a bunch of people. Okay. So Nicholas Cruz is sentenced to life in prison, with no possibility of parole. Now, look, I am not exactly an advocate. I'm not exactly a non-advocate of the death penalty. You know, hey, I, I don't know. But I do know this. If ever the death penalty was warranted, this is it. Now, there was a lone juror that voted against the death penalty. Um, the person wrote a letter to the judge. Your Honor, I'd notify you that Melanie Veranet, one of the jurors in this case, her jurors who voted for the death penalty, stating that I had already made up my mind on voting for life before the trial started. The allegation is untrue, and I maintained my oath to the court, and I would be fair and unbalanced. The deliberations were very tense. Some jurors became extremely unhappy once I mentioned that I would vote for life. I just wanted to make you aware of this. If you have any questions, get a hold of me. So one juror said no to the death penalty. That would be hard for me to give the death penalty. It's easy for me to say that I am for or against the death penalty, but when it really came down to it, not sure I could do it. I'm really not. I'm not sure that I could give the death penalty to somebody. Maybe you all could. Maybe you could sit there. A lot of people can and go, well, you know, uh, I'd give that something on the death penalty. It would be hard for me. Could I do it? In this case, I think I absolutely could. But I do understand. I do. I understand where this is headed or where that lady comes from. I do. Uh, I got to tell you, man, 
Todd Bowles crushed the soul of every single white sportscaster in America. Every single white non-outkick sports writer in America got their soul crushed. Every white politician uh, that is trying on the Democrat Libby side got their soul crushed by one press conference by an NFL coach named Todd Bowles. We'll play what Bowles had to say. Get some reaction when we come back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Man, there ain't nothing. There ain't nothing like a white reporter trying to stir up racial stuff. Uh, Jenna Lane at ESPN. She's a white reporter. Buccaneers. She snacks like Rex. Chews more gum than Pete and only slightly more durable than Sam Darnold. She, ladies and gentlemen, is a white ESPN reporter. And like all white ESPN reporters or white indie star reporters or white New York Post reporters or white New York Times reporter, they live and die. They make their money along with white politicians of the Democratic Party on racial divisiveness. Man, we got to keep it divided because that's where our wheelhouse is. White lady. There's nobody more racist than the woke white person. Everybody knows that. Everybody. If you don't know it, you ain't paying attention. So this guy, this lady, Jenna Lane, she wanted to show her ultimate whiteness. In one of the few games this season where two black head coaches will face each other, Bucks coach downplayed the significance of facing Mike Tomlin this week. I don't think it's a big deal. Go get him, Jenna Lane. You show him. Jenna Lane, my ass. Let's hear from Todd Bowles. This is how real people think, not little frickin' ESPN reporters trying to stir crap up. You you and Mike Tomlin are two of the few black head coaches in the league. I wonder what your relationship is like with them and your thoughts on Steve Wilkes joining that fold. I have a very good relationship with Tomlin. Uh, we don't look at what color we are when we coach against each other. We just know each other. I have a lot of very good white friends that coach in this league as well, and I don't think it's a big deal as far as us being coaching against each other. I think it's normal. Wilkes got an opportunity to do a good job. Hopefully he does it. And we coach ball. We don't look at color. But you also understand that representation matters too, right? And that when young aspiring coaches or even football players, they see you guys, you know, they see someone that looks like them, maybe grew up like them, that has to mean something. Well, when you say you see you guys and look like them and grow up like them, it means that we're eyeballs to begin with. And I think the minute you guys start stop making a big deal about it, everybody else will as well. Man, is that good. Uh, that is so good. You know, I'm guessing Jenna Lane probably just, just did what was required. She thought she was being, well, you know, I'm going to be the white Kaepernick. Well, it had to be asked, I'm sure Jenna Lane is saying. Yeah, okay. Jenna Lane is so gutsy. She's so gutsy she turned the comments off on her little tweets. Media is ridiculous. 
media is absolutely ridiculous. That's why I always say, if you haven't been in a locker room as a coach or a player, you just don't know. You make things up like this. There is nowhere, and I mean nowhere in the world, where you get meritocracy more than in sports. Nowhere. Sports and money. I'm not talking about sports and jobs. Uh, No, I'm talking about sports and money. Money, if you got money, hey man, that jumps everything. I mean, big money. I'm not talking about a little bit of money. I'm talking about big money. But sports is the ultimate. Play well, you play. The only time I ever heard of a coach actually, well, what's the right word? Not discriminating necessarily, but choosing based on something other than performance was when my father went to Idaho State University. The coach there was a really good guy. My father apparently was very good, and everybody on the team said he should start. The coach told my dad, hey, look, I can't start four guys from outside Idaho. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That coach, I guess, was a really good coach. I don't know. It's the only time I ever heard it. Like, you know, you just don't ever hear it from anyone other than the little columnist at the little Libby newspaper, if you work for Gannett or if you work for ESPN, period. It's just the way it is. Because if they, what would Jenna Lane or Greg Doyle or any of these people have to add to actual football discussion other than something stupid, in Doyle's case, we're going to talk about your dog, Jimmy Ursay. In this case, we're going to talk about race. Todd Bowles is absolutely right. Man, you get out there, you don't care if someone's black or white, Hispanic. I think the minute you guys stop talk, making a big deal about it, everyone else will as well. The truth of the matter is he's right, but he's wrong. Nobody really cares. It's fodder. Looking at someone like Jenna Lane or Greg or any of these guys, look, I had to tell white reporters at different times in my life, hey, look, quit changing the way you speak when you speak to African-Americans. Just quit trying to change your, your dialect. That's how stupid these people are. I've never forgotten it. I'm absolutely never forgotten how dumb these folks are. And I never will, because they're historically stupid. And this is all they have. And guys that have coached, (laughs) hey, look, I'm not going to say that Tony Dungy against Lovey Smith wasn't a deal. Of course it was. Was that, 25 years ago? Great. I'm sure Coach Dungy and I'm I'm sure Coach Smith are very proud to be the first African-Americans to face off against one another in the Super Bowl. But my God. What are we talking about now in 2022 in sports? Hey, you want to make a big deal about it in politics. You want to make it a big deal as we do here in Indianapolis in terms of who gets prosecuted and who doesn't get prosecuted? Fine. You want to make a big deal about it? Who gets jobs in commercials or who gets jobs where? Fine. But not in sports. No. The level of stupid in broadcasting is beyond anything you could ever imagine And God bless you, Jenna Lane, for getting shot down like you should have and by Todd Bowles. And God bless you, Todd Bowles, for for saying what's true. Because it is what's true. You go in a locker room, hey, look, sure there are clicks. There's clicks in everything. But, man, if you can ball and you can play and you're a good teammate and everybody respects how hard you work, stop it. Just stop it. I love what Todd Bowles did. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was great. And I don't say that as a white guy. 
I say that as someone that looks at sports and has always looked at life through the lens, as I've told you before, of a guy who grew up in a melting pot type place. And I know melting pot's not the right thing to say. Shut up. We had Serbians, Polish. We had Catholic. We had Yiddish. We had uh, black, white, Hispanic, green. You name it, we had it. And everybody was at our house. Everybody. So don't at me with crap. And don't add Todd Bowles with crap. Don't even think about it. Don't do it. And Jenna Lane, stay in your lane. I don't know what that lane is. You proved to be an idiot, but stay in your damn lane, Jenna Lane. See what I did there? Very clever. Now, I'm sure if, uh, you know, people get wind of this, women will be mad. Hey, look, it could have been a dude and I'd have said the same thing. I get it. There'll be victimhood on this. Oh, my God. See what we face as women? Yeah. Walk with me one day. Follow what I hear one day. Follow the crap that comes my way. Stop it. Just stop it. Good for Jenna Lane. Uh, I got some bets for you. And I got a bet that I really like this weekend. I do. And this goes along with a couple of things, okay? I got a few bets. I'm not telling you that I've been on fire, but I've been on fire. Yesterday, I did struggle a, t- a skosh, just a skosh. Baseball, excuse me. Because I feel stupid and because I decided I'm going the opposite of what I normally go, I decided, um, excuse me, to take the Bears on the money line halfway through the game. Stupid. It's all right. I ain't mad about it. I did it. I'm not mad. But as we move forward, I'm going to give you my lock of the weekend. And if this doesn't happen, you're going to hear about my hot seat of the weekend. The Colts are minus two against the Jaguars. Okay. The Jaguars beat the Colts 24 to nothing. So normal people would say, you know, the Colts really, really don't beat the Jaguars. They don't, but that's, that's down in Jacksonville. Here's what I see out of the Colts, and here's why I don't think two's enough. I think two, frankly, no. Colts have a very good defense. Colts have the kind of defense, I want you to listen to this stat. They have not given up a point in the fourth quarter. Not a point. 1934, the Lions and the Bears, the only two teams through five games, five games, that have not given up a point in the fourth quarter. Not a point. Now, you say to me, what does it matter? They're 2-2-1. It matters. Colts defense is very good. Colts high money player, the most talented of guys, DeForest Buckner and Yannick Ngakwe, played played very well and appear to be healthy. You guys worry about the wrong things. You worry about Jonathan Taylor. I don't worry about Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor plays great. Jonathan Taylor doesn't play great. You get about 100 yards out of your running backs if you run the ball. I worry about the offensive line. No idea what's going to happen. It's broke. The the defensive front, Josh Allen et al. For the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, pretty good. But here's the caveat on this. And this is something that you can't quantify. And if it was three and a half, I might not take it. But the Colts at two, there's a lot of heat. Not, not, what's the right word? Players don't feel heat because players are making zillions of dollars, right? They're making more money than they got since. But there's a lot of heat on the coaching staff of the Colts. There's a lot of heat put on by Jimmy Irsay. There is. Now, had the Colts lost that horrific Thursday night game, I might have told you don't take the Colts. Maybe. 
but they didn't. If the line was three and a half, I might have told you, yeah, they might win by a field goal. But I think the Colts win this by seven or more. In fact, here's what I'm going to do this weekend. I'm going to bet, and then I'm really, if I'm down, I'm really going to bet the Colts. I mean, I'm really going to bet the Colts. Because I think this is the lock of the NFL college football weekend. Colts minus three. That's it. Colts minus three. Minus two, excuse me. That is, in my opinion, the bet of the weekend. I'll give you another one that I like. I'm not going to say I love. I'm going to say I like. And it all depends on one thing, Cordell Patterson. If Cordell Patterson plays, then I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons plus five at home against the 49ers. If he does not play, I'm going to wait and see on that game. But I think that's how important Cordell Patterson is to that team. I do. I think they are that, he is that important. I think that Cordell Patterson, who has become, well, he's, he's comfortable. He's a running back. He's a running back that can catch the football. I'm going to take Cordell Patterson. I am. Tell you what else I'm going to take. I'm going to take Kansas plus nine noon on, on Saturday. See, I don't know. I think Kansas quarterback's going to play, but there is no way in hell anybody can tell me that Oklahoma, number one, doesn't have enough talent, and number two, isn't broken away from their coach. Nobody can tell me they're not. You don't lose the way Oklahoma lost and have a solid foundation of player, coach. You just don't. Now, I'm not saying, and even a little bit, that you can't get that back over the course of a career. You certainly can. But I got to tell you, when I watch Oklahoma, no. I think Brian Leopold's a legitimate coach. They lost. You got to bounce back when you lose. If you're a real program, you bounce back. Getting nine points, I may move it to 10, pay a little extra juice, but getting nine points against a team that, number one, is under-talented, and number two, broken from their coach, I think, is a steal over the course of this weekend. I'm not saying it's done. I'm not saying it's all you got, but I'm saying I would take that, and I would take that very, very strong. The most surprising line of the weekend to me, and it all rests on Tommy DeVito, the quarterback, is the fact that Illinois is getting six and a half at home against Minnesota. Now, Illinois has made a little move here. Remember, Illinois is the team, Brett Bielema was the coach, that went into Wisconsin in a high-pressure what do they call it in baseball? A high leverage game. We got high leverage. And whoop Wisconsin's arse. I mean, beat them. Yeah, they did. What happened from that game? Well, Bielema's a hero, and Chris is gone. That simple. What came out of that game? Well, you know, Bielema went a double bird high, and Chris went, well, you know, I don't really know. Uh, I don't know if I should really be the coach. And the donor said, well, no, you really shouldn't be the coach. So I may move this to seven. I love a hook, but I love seven more. So we'll see. But that to me, now remember, Minnesota and Roll Your Boat Guy. Roll Your Boat Guy makes it all about himself, P.J. Fleck. He's done a terrific job. But I always go by what would I do as a player. Because I think like a player. I thought like a player. I still think like a player. Roll Your Boat Guy would give me gas. He would seriously give me gas. And I don't want to have gas when I'm playing football. I, I've told you this. I tell my kids, shut up. You're giving me gas. Go in the corner. Oh, Dad, no, 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 no. I have gas because of you. Corner. Nose in the corner. And now that they're older, they make fun of me. 
My daughter was over last night, and she's like, Dad, remember Nose in the Corner? I go, yeah, you're not too old. Nose in the Corner. She's 25. I asked her. She's a school teacher in Nashville. I said, do you ever put kids' nose in the corner? She goes, no, too many letters would come, but I'm dying to. Nose in the corner. Young dads, try it. And stop saying, hi, buddy. And tell your wife to stop saying, hi, buddy, to your kids. Stop it. Just stop it. You're going to raise a little batch. Don't. Please. Hi, buddy. Hey, buddy. How was practice today, buddy? Shut up. Your kid don't like it. I don't like it. And if I don't like it and your kid don't like it, it shouldn't be happening. Hey, Dan, do you have any bets on the NBA? Let me give you two words. Oh, hell no. NBA preseason? If you bet NBA preseason, now people always say this. People always say, well, you know. You know. If you're betting preseason football, you've got a problem. Shut up. Let me tell you what preseason winnings do. They spend just like regular season winnings. But the NBA is such a crapshoot on a normal day because you never know if anybody's going to try. I mean, let's be honest. You legitimately don't know. You know, is Susie Rottencrotch going to try today? Is Joey Bag of Donuts going to give it a best effort? What are we doing out here? We never know if anybody's going to try in the NBA, the WNBA, any of them. None of it. So don't at me with it. I'm not betting preseason baseball today, tomorrow, or the next day. And if Joey Bag of Donuts tells me that I got to bet it, he's an idiot. So don't do it. Do yourself a favor. Bet the Colts. Tell you another one that I kind of like. And maybe I'm dead wrong about this. I have, uh, no, what do they say? Less than zero. Less than zero respect for anything going on in football at Florida State until they hire Deion Sanders. You hire Deion Sanders, I am all in on Florida State football. Until you hire Deion Sanders, I got no interest in Florida State football. All right? None. Zero zip. Florida State football can't. What is that? Can't beat a nosebleed or whatever. I don't know. I said it earlier. I forgot what it is. Can't catch a nosebleed. Anyway, Florida State football, let me give this to you. They lost by 10 at home to Wake Forest. They lost by two at home to North Carolina State. Now here comes Clemson, who's playing pretty well. The line is three and a half. Write that down, people. Take the three and a half and Clemson. Are you crazy? What is wrong with you? They're giving us money this weekend. If you take, I'll do it. I'll do it for you right now on DraftKings. All right, you ready? I'll do it right now for you. All right. Nope. 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 Hit the wrong one. I'm going to do it for you because this is the kind of man that I am. I'm going to tell you what a hundred dollar parlay on the teams that I'm giving you is going to pay off. All right. I'm, I'm going to give it to you right now. Uh, there you go. Okay. There's two. Oh, uh, Kansas minus nine. I just gave you Clemson three and a half, and I'm going to take the Colts minus two. So there you go. Uh-oh. They closed my Clemson game. See? Told you that was too good to be true. They closed it. I was going to give it to you because, well, Frank, all right. So now a two-pick parlay is going to pay you $256 on a $100 bet. That three-teamer to page about 500. They're giving money away this weekend. The one that I worry about in there is Kansas. Is Kansas real? You're real when you win. Now you got beat. 
Everybody was all excited, Kansas. Everybody was jumping up and down, standing on their heads and pooping snowballs, Kansas. Ah, Kansas, Kansas. Yeah, you got beat. So I would say to you, I guarantee you, because that line, that line seemed fishy to me. Watch this for the rest of the weekend. I know there are a lot of guys and gals on here that go over to my other show. But, hey, look, check this line out as we go through the weekend. Check it out because I'm telling you, Clemson giving only three, giving only three and a half at Florida State. Clemson is not intimidated by Florida State. They're not. You can get 600 bucks on a hundred dollar bet on my three. They put it back up. 600 bucks on a hundred dollar bet on my three. And I didn't even add the Illinois game. Let me add the Illinois game for you. Uh, I'll tell you something else. I think I'd take Tennessee plus seven if Hurts doesn't play. All right, we're going to win $1,200. See this? Colts minus two, Kansas plus nine, Clemson minus three and a half, and Illinois six and a half. I'm putting $100 on it, and we're going to win $1,330. Two weeks ago, we won $1,800 on one of these parlors. You know what game I'm really nervous about? I don't like. I do not like six and a half. I feel like I should have changed that to seven. If I lose that bet where I didn't change it, I'm going to do something stupid on Monday. I am. On this show. I don't know what. If I win all the other bets and Illinois, win, or excuse me, doesn't, loses by seven to Minnesota, I'm going to do something stupid on this show. Not sure what, but I feel like I have to. I absolutely feel like I have to do something stupid. I do. A lot of people are chiming in. A lot of people are chiming in on my take on football, NFL football, being dull. Dude, I haven't watched a full game in over two years. It's dull, too protected, soft, and no longer interesting. Let me tell you another reason. I'm not all that big on NFL football anymore. Do you mind? Uh, One of the reasons I'm not all that big on NFL football is, frankly, everybody runs out of bounds. They do. They run out of bounds. So I'm not that big on it. If you're going to keep running out of bounds, then I got a problem. All right, when we come back, Ian Miller wrote a great article for us here at OutKick. Right now, I need you to retweet the show. We need more viewers. We need more listeners. Let's go. Retweet the show. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. You read them, you know them, you love them. There you go. At I-A-N-N-M-S-C. You want to learn? You follow Ian. Uh, I'm going to get to the Dodgers, but uh, masks are back in the news. I'm going through your Twitter 
Taiwan continues to lead the world in current case races of COVID, decided consistent universal mass compliance and exceptionally high vaccination rates. What the hell's going on here? <laughs> yeah, well, they're they're an example of a country that was you know, praised for beating COVID with masks and other interventions. And uh, I put a little in, you know, indication on that chart of uh, one of the experts that is frequently write, written for time. Uh, saying that they had like ended community transmission of the virus thanks to masking, and you know there's a there was a survey that was conducted with Facebook and, and the University of Maryland tracking mask compliance across the world, and I so I labeled that as well and showing it was you know, it's been near 95, 99 percent in Taiwan for the whole time, you know the, this entire time period, and it hasn't mattered. So I think it's it's there's a lot of examples, but that's one of my favorites of a place that was. The experts said, this is what we do. If we just do masks, we could end COVID. And they did it, and it didn't work. So it's uh, it's it's really frustrating that we're, we're still here talking about it when we have so many good examples showing that it didn't work. What, what, what will end COVID? Where, 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 is COVID over in terms of what COVID was two years ago? And now, I guess, and I don't want to downplay it, but like the flu, it's always going to be around. Is that what we're doing? Exactly. It, it is always going to be around. We're never going to be able to end it in terms of, oh, there being you know no COVID cases anywhere. Um, I think it's just it's something that we're going to have to deal with forever. And we have to stop prioritizing it as you know this is the sole focus of our discussion and you know ignoring any other illnesses is in favor of COVID. And, um, you know, I think that what will actually end it is if we stop paying attention and, and if we stop testing very much where, you know, they're still doing tests and tests and tests every day so states are still reporting the data every day and it still you know makes headlines of oh cases are rising and it's actually happening again in europe right now and every every winter every fall and winter we're going to go through this where there's an a surge of respiratory virus infections and until so we really just kind of move on with our lives and stop making it a priority and stop trying to put restrictions on schools and other areas of life due to covid uh it's it's you know we, we're never going to be able to move past it permanently but that's what we have to do you know, it was kind of odd. My my wife and I were watching. I don't know what it was. It was a, I'm sure a sporting event, and we saw a commercial for the flu. Like, and I looked at her. I go, wait a second. The flu's back. Wait, wait for two <laughs> years, nobody got the flu. All of a sudden, the flu's back. Is <laughs> what? What's going on here? Yeah, there's a phenomenon called viral interference, where when a new virus emerges, it can it can literally interfere with the ability of another virus to spread. And, and that's very likely what's been happening. But now that COVID has become more widespread, it's becoming more more known across the population. People have some level of immunity to it. Um, I think it's going to allow for the other viruses that have kind of gone away, like the flu, to make a return. You know, how severe it will be, I'm not sure, and how prominent. And it's going to be interesting to see how this winter goes with both kind of existing at the same time to some extent, but it is, it has basically, like I said, it's disappeared for multiple years and it's, it's just now kind of making its way back uh, because there's more immunity in the population to COVID. All right. You're nervous as a Dodgers fan, eh? San Diego was supposed to be the team. Then they struggled after the all-star break. Soto comes over and they're supposed to be great. They lost a bunch of games, righted themselves, got in the playoffs Still finished way, way, way behind the Dodgers, but this is no longer, this isn't a 162-game series, baby. This is short and sweet. What's the level uh, of DEFCON nervousness among Dodger fans? Uh, well, 
Uh, I'm I'm a little bit more on the pessimistic side compared to a lot of other Dodger fans. For me, I'm at say like a you know a three and a half out of out of five. Um, it, like as you say, it is that's the real issue here is that the series is just so compressed. When you're talking best of five, um, all it takes is one game to really completely swing the the tone of the series, and that's basically what happened the other day. Um, you know, the Dodgers had opportunity after opportunity to win the game. Uh, you know, Trey Turner makes an error that gives the Padres a run, and you know, then Dodgers can't capitalize against the bullpen, even though they had all these opportunities with runners and ba- on base. They went 0 for 10 with runners in scoring position, and you know, those kind of games happen all the time during the regular season, and nobody notices. But in the postseason, when it's a best of five, all of a sudden you go from potentially being up 2 0 to being tied 1 1, and now the Padres, you know, go to Petco Park. They're going to have Blake Snell and Joe Musgrove, who are two very, you know, very good pitchers coming up. Um, so yeah, it's definitely nerve-wracking times. I mean, you know, there is some advantage to to knowing that in Game Five they're going to have to pitch Mike Clevenger if it gets there, and and Clevenger did not look good in Game One. Has never pitched well against the Dodgers. So you know, there's some hope that if you just even if it comes to that, if you just get to Game Five, you'll be in good shape. But yeah, it's it's a little nerve-wracking right now, that's for sure. You know, I asked before the series, you know, and it, I don't know if it's – it's not as proven to be true, but maybe it will. You know, Walker Bueller's out. Obviously, Trevor Bauer hasn't been there. You know, and and I don't know. It, 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 Kershaw, for whatever his greatness is, at least lately, he couldn't go through five innings the other day. That, this sounds stupid, but it seems to me maybe not enough starting pitching or no. Does that not matter? No, I think you're definitely right, and it is it is odd because for a team that won 111 games, which was I think only the seventh team in history to win more than 110, there are some flaws that you look at that seem pretty obvious, and starting pitching is one of them. Where you know right now the Dodgers are going into Game Three uh, tonight with Tony Gonsolin, who while he had a fantastic season, has barely pitched in two months. Um, you know I don't think that's desirable for anybody. And in Game Four, you have Tyler Anderson, who again had a great season, but when you say the name Tyler Anderson doesn't exactly inspire confidence that, and you know, he hasn't really done much in the postseason because he's never pitched on postseason teams. So there's, there's a lot more concern for a team that won 111 games than you think there would be. Um, you know, at the trading deadline, I think they, they kind of still were expecting more of Dustin May when, when he was going to come back and, uh, but he returned and wasn't quite himself and then missed some more time with another kind of small minor injury. So there's just, you know, he might have been a postseason starting rotation option, but uh, wasn't really able to do it health wise. So it, it is it is not as deep. of It's a very deep one through 13. But those top few starters have not quite been as good as you'd expect. I'm going to jump back to the vaccine. You know, you, you posted something interesting and it's something that I have been saying. You never see this. You never see people that were so diligent on others losing their jobs, on others having to do something. You never see those folks apologize. They just move on. I've said this so many times about writers when I was coaching. They want a guy to get fired. Next thing you know, the guy wins three games in the NCAA tournament. I never hear a guy say, yeah, you know, I was wrong. Uh, You said this, virtually no one who advocated for discrimination against the unvaccinated has been willing to apologize for it. Man, is that drive me crazy. Absolutely. I I think until they do apologize for it, um, 
you know, I don't think you can ever really move on from this. It, 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 it's all just kind of, they want to sleep it under the rug because the consequences have been so draconian. I mean, it's millions of people that had, have had consequences from, you know, mandatory vaccination to go work somewhere or uh, to attend colleges or the military has had a, a vaccine mandate, which has severely hurt recruiting in, in within the military. Um, there's countless examples of this. And it's also, I think, important because it would show some humility and intellectual honesty that said, if, if, and I, I think honestly, it would bring some respect back to public health or respect back to people who made these assertions. If you say, you know, look, we got this wrong. We thought this was going to be what happened. Uh, this policy should never have been imposed anyway, but, you know, we thought we were doing what was best and we made a mistake and it's never going to happen again. If they just at least said that, I think he would get a lot of respect back, but they just don't seem willing to do it. I, I don't, I don't know what the reason is, whether it's arrogance or, you know, they don't, they honestly don't know that they were wrong or they're just, I don't know, they're so entrenched in their beliefs that they won't see the truth and, you know, just won't accept it. You know, to your point, I did a show, uh, 60 straight days, I did it when COVID came out. I did it at 1 o'clock every day, and we honored a COVID worker, somebody. And the stories were unbelievable, whether it was somebody that cleaned the room, maybe it was a doctor, maybe it was an administrator that had to set policies, maybe it was a nurse, it was a couple ladies that literally held the hands of patients that were dying. We did it for 60 straight days and heard the stories of having to take off all your stuff, have a robe in the garage, and you know, run to the to the shower before you could even hug your kids. And those people, a lot of them, ended up getting fired because they decided on their own that way we're going to not get vaxxed. I mean, the hysteria. People went from being, quote, angels, right, to pariahs, and no one's ever apologized, and there's nothing done for those people. It's unbelievable to me. That's exactly right. And that's another area that I forgot to mention that is really important is that there are there's still mandates for healthcare workers and a lot of them are still being forced to mask. And, I mean, in, in Southern California, you walk around at any doctor's office and they still require masks. Now it's not even you can just walk in any mask. It's you have to have a surgical uh, mask or an N95 level mask. Um, and so those people, you know, is there ever going to be an end for them? Or, and like you say, there were so many of them were fired and now you have staffing shortages across the country in hospitals because they fired people for something that exclusively would provide a personal benefit and has no impact whatsoever on getting infected or spreading the disease. So it, it's just indefensible and it's indefensible that it hasn't been rescinded and those people hired back and compensated for their problems. And you know it's gonna hurt hospitals across the country because they're short-staffed through these short-sighted policies. And, and there's, like you said, there's no apology for them. There's no uh, acknowledgement that they were fired incorrectly and that they should be brought back. And, uh, you know, I, I, it, I don't know how you get, get this fixed, but it has to be fixed because it's going to have far reaching consequences beyond just, you know, the, uh, now it's going to be a problem down the road as well. What was your reaction to the Pfizer, what CEO saying? Yeah, we lied. We, we didn't test this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not that surprising they didn't test for transmission. It was kind of anybody who was really reading into the documents knew that. But to see them admit it finally and, and acknowledge that all of these mandates and all of these you know, vaccine passports and all these policies that, that politicians put into place were not based off of any clinical testing data. None. It was it was just wishful thinking. And, you know, Fauci and the CDC and others 
essentially, you know, lying or getting it wrong and saying, oh, you know, we believe this is going to stop transmission. The CDC director saying it, said it on uh, on the news. Fauci said the uh, vaccinated people become dead ends for the virus. Um, and to see them say, you know, look, yeah, we, we never had any idea if this would happen. We were just kind of guessing uh, makes it all that more frustrating because of all the policies that were enacted. And it's from people that claim to be following the science. You know, they they're the ones who keep saying, we, we follow the science, we listen to the experts and you anti-science, you know, people on that side, you're not listening to what we are. Uh, and, and they were just making it up as they went. And, and so many people were hurt and permanently from this and will be hurt down the road from this. And um, again, as we mentioned earlier, there's been no apology and there's no admitting that it was all based off of just hopeful thinking and not actual real world data. Um, and, and again, for anybody paying attention last year, we all knew this. If you were looking at the data, you could see these countries that had really high vaccination rates were still seeing huge surges. And yet all these cities, a lot of these countries put these policies in anyway, even though we could see from places like Singapore, it wasn't making a difference. All right. In fairness, how do you balance what you just said with the idea that the, the vaccine lessened the severity and safe and saved lives. How, how do we balance that? Well, sure, you can say that, and, and that's almost certainly true, but that it has to be a, a personal choice and, and you can't coerce behavior. And in fact, if you go back and look at all of the uh, pandemic planning documents that were prepared by World Health Organization, the United Kingdom, even the CDC, um, most of them or almost all of them say, the best way to handle a pandemic is to have as little disruption of normal life as possible. I mean, we did the exact opposite of that. I mean, we, we basically took all these documents that were prepared over 10, 15 years and painstakingly worked on by, by healthcare experts and then threw them out the window. Um, and, you know, it, instead of trying to demonize others, it's, uh, we've, as we've learned, lessons we've learned again that were in these documents, um, you know, you're supposed to try to have compassion and understanding and try to explain why you should make a decision instead of, forcing people to make a decision. But that's not what we did. We did the exact opposite. And and so there's no, I don't have any problem with saying, you know, the vaccine's helping, it's saving lives from you know, politicians saying this, you should get it and here's why. That's not what they did. They said you will get it or else you can't exist in New York City or Los Angeles and go through normal life. And and that's not acceptable to me. And I don't think those were, that was ever justified no matter how effective it was. It had to become, it had to be a personal decision. And if it was, and if they had done a better job communicating, I think more people would have gotten it anyway. Do you think, I, I, all right, my brain works funny. I try to think ahead. I call it thinking beyond my nose. And I'm trying to think, do you think eventually, even though they, you know, they support it, do you think eventually Donald Trump will have to face a lawsuit because of getting, he'll be the fall guy for getting the quote vaccine out too quickly. I can see this coming from the other side. I, I, am I too short-sighted here? I, I wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I don't think that it would, it would hold up very well. I think, you know, I mean, if anything, you could point to the regulatory agencies because developing the vaccine is one thing and obviously warp speed push that along with the money that they spent, but it has to be authorized. It had to be signed off on by the FDA and also the CDC advisory committee. Um, and they both signed off on it and said, you know, here we go. And I think if anything, I mean, not that the other side really cares about consistency, but if anything, you could look at the authorization process with boosters that what we've seen in the last couple of months where they, they don't even 
convene these these expert committees half the time anymore. They just kind of rubber stamp stuff. That would be ground, more grounds for something like that, where you know they're not really going through the normal regulatory process to to authorize booster after booster after booster. They just kind of say, oh well, you know, we had clinical trial data from eight mice uh, with this latest Omicron booster they've come out with, and that's enough. So rubber stamp, let's go start giving it to kids. Um, and it, it's just kind of indefensible to me. And I don't know if there will be lawsuits about it, but it really is concerning that the, the normal processes have been eroded in order to just get the, the next booster out as quickly as possible. How much, and I'm not, you, you know that I, I'm involved. I'm an investor in a drug, an autism drug, and it's been going on for about seven years. It's really difficult to get a drug through. It's very different. I get a quarterly report. In fact, when I did it like 10 years ago, I thought I was going to pay for my daughter's college once it got approved. And my daughter's been out of college three years. So it's, you know, it's very difficult. Warp Speed made this possible. How much do you think we've seen the reports on how much money Fauci made during this time? Where does money factor into all of this, all the demanding that we get uh, a shot, all demanding we get booster because every time you got a shot, somebody made some money off that shot. Yeah, well, there was, uh, I think, one of the best examples of this is happening right now where uh, the U.S. government bought, I think it was 170, I'm going to get this wrong, 170 million or $170 billion worth of, of the new uh, Omicron booster uh, from Pfizer, assuming that you know uptake would be dramatically uh, substantial. Uh, and instead, it's like 4% of the country has gotten the new booster in over a month. You know, nobody's getting it. So the U.S. government just handed Pfizer another truckload of cash uh, based off of the assumption that everybody still wanted boosters. And it turns out hardly anybody does. Um, so, you know, I th it's just they keep trying to say this thing will be the what ends the pandemic. It will be what ends COVID. Um, and it's never, it never does. And yet they keep handing more cash to Pfizer and, and Moderna, especially as well. And there was a story, uh, you know, I, that I wrote on Outkick a while ago about Moderna's executives and how they were buying luxury properties in Boston. And it was just like a bidding war uh, where, you know, I don't care how much it costs. I want to be in the next floor up above this guy on some luxury high rise in Boston. And, um, you know, I mean, it, it, obviously they developed the product and they deserve to make a profit from it. But I think the kind of, you can't, have this relationship that they, the government has had with these companies when they're mandating the vaccine um, and then working with the company and kind of doing whatever the company wants. So, you know, they're providing this kind of uh, monopoly market for these companies by saying, you know, healthcare workers, you have to get vaccinated. Um, and here's the product that we're buying and we're going to keep, keep buying it and keep buying it, keep buying it. Uh, it feels very, I don't know, incestuous to me and, and it kind of gross. So I, uh, I hope that these relationships don't last very long, but it, it just, no matter what, it seems like the government's willing to buy whatever Pfizer and Moderna are going to put out. I have a theory, Ian. You may laugh at my theory, all right? What happened to monkeypox? My theory yeah. was that, hey, midterms are coming up. We're getting our brains beat out here. We got to introduce something else. Here's monkeypox. People said, no, 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 no. We're not going to go crazy over a bunch of gay orgies uh, that produced a disease. So monkeypox went away. My theory is this was floated as we got about six, five, six months away from midterms. Might be a wrong theory, but that's my theory. 
I mean, sure, I wouldn't put anything past them. I, I, it, but you hit the nail on the head. It was like it, it kind of became another hysteria. And I think a lot of people and, and again, it's the same people that have, have done this this misinformation and misled people about about COVID where there are you know supposedly experts that have the blue check on Twitter that are saying, oh, monkeypox is going to have 150 million cases in 10 weeks if everything goes to continue, continues on this way. And then it fizzles out to nothing because it's not an airborne virus. It's not something that's spread just by close contact with somebody for you know 20 minutes or something like that. It's where you're, you're talking face to face. It requires much more intimate contact. And so it was it was much more like a sexually transmitted disease than it is a, a virus. So if that was what their intention was, it was never going to work because it can never spread as easily as COVID does or the flu does. Um, it requires a totally different method of, of spread. So it's uh, it wasn't a very good idea if that was their idea, I'll put it that way. That's just, you know, I'm not saying that I'm right, but it just it just seemed odd to me. We're going to float this out there and see if it can pick up steam. I feel like most everything that gets floated out there, they try to see if it'll pick up steam. If it pick up steam, we go with it. Obviously, COVID was a different deal, but now we're on to the next. Hey, uh, last thing before I let you go. Um, why are or why does, given what you have talked about, what you have written about, what you have tweeted about, why is there even a conversation in places like California, or you mentioned Dr. Why is the conversation of masks still out there? Is that a cover your backside kind of thing only? Yeah, I, it's a great question. I, I'm not sure. I think there's a couple things, a couple factors. One is that it is kind of a cover your backside moment where people don't want to admit that they were wrong for a couple of years and, and they can't give up on something that they were pushing so hard. Uh, the other is that there's a lot of people who really do believe it works. Uh, they're not presented with the evidence. They're not presented with all the the charts and the data showing how little impact it's made and, and the comparisons. Um, they don't ever see it because the media has never done one of these kind of mea culpa stories and said, look, here's why we were wrong about masks and mask mandates. Um, and I think the other thing is that it's become kind of an ingrained political thing for in very far left areas, blue parts of the country where it became, became wrapped up in their identity that, you know, it made you a good person to wear a mask. And that was a very, uh, you know, desirable feeling for people where they wanted to feel like they were a good person, that they were helping others, which is totally fair. Everybody wants to be a good person, but wearing a mask didn't do that, uh, but they think it does. And so it's it's really hard for them to kind of give up on that superiority feeling that they got from from being told you are doing the right thing. You're saving lives. Um, and I think they're just a lot of people are not willing to give up on that. Uh, and again, if it's not now, it's two and a half years into this. When, when does it, when is it enough? When are you, when have you completed your, your duties here? You know, most of the rest of the world has moved on. Most of the country's moved on. Um, but for some people, they just can't seem to let go of it. All right. You're really smart. So I got to ask you the most important question of the day. You ready? Ready. Why are we so infatuated with the Kardashians? <laughs> I I don't know. I, I really, it, it's bewildering to me. I've never really watched the show. I obviously I know, I know the family, but it just doesn't make any sense why this particular family got so much attention. Um, I think it was just kind of good timing where their reality show came out uh, at a peak for those kinds of shows. And, and uh, people were interested in seeing how a very wealthy family kind of moved around the world in LA and um, she had gotten a lot of media attention 
for you know what had happened earlier before the show and so i think it was uh it was just kind of fortunate fortuitous fortunate fortunate timing that allowed them to kind of become this behemoth that they've become and you know what credit to them they are uh they're especially chris jenner she's a master at at kind of manipulating public uh sentiments and, and getting people interested in what they're doing and they're very good at creating publicity and you know all publicity is good publicity i guess I guess, but I, I was looking this morning. Erin uh, Andrews recounts her husband's uh, meeting with the Kardashians. It's in the New York Post. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't. I, I, I got to open this. I got to find out. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> hey, yeah, thanks, man. Great stuff. Keep doing great work. Thank you so much. That was fun. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. Uh, follow Ian at, you ready? Ian, I-A-N-M, you ready for, uh, Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R. It ain't that hard. But if you go, understand, you're going to get some smart stuff. At Ian, I-A-N, I'm sorry, I-A-N-M-S-C. Let me do that again. I-A-N, Ian, M. SC. Man, it's hard being stupid. People think it's easy to go through life like this as dumb as I am. It is hard. It's exhausting. But I got to tell you, I swear to God, I thought, you know, okay, here comes the next thing. It's going to be an election. Monkeypox. They threw it out there. And next thing you know, people are like, wait a second. Don't throw this when you got gay men and orgies and we're all supposed to lose our mind. Nuh-uh. The public rejected the hysteria, and the public rejection of the hysteria meant that it went away. When's the last time you heard anything about monkeypox? Can I ask? May I ask a simple question? Last time. G- give it to me. Last time. Um, here's something that I don't understand and I'll never understand. Did you see the cover of the New York Post today? Like, explain this to me. Explain to me how we can have a president that the cover of the New York Post just says lies, 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 and more lies. What about Trump? Lies, damn lies, and Joe Biden. It's every day. Like every day, this guy throws out some nonsense. This guy's telling us, yeah, inflation isn't there. What? Every day. Now, you guys, here's the answer you're going to have. Well, you would read the Washington Post. Yeah, I would. I'll read anything if it's honest. I'll read anything if it's interesting. Why do you watch this show? Because I'm honest and I'm interesting. Man, oh, man. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it astounding that this is where we're at with this? Lies, damn lies, and Joe Biden. Inflation, 8.2%. President again dismisses brutal inflation despite a 40-year high. Look, I'm sure you don't tune into this to simply hear me talk about sports. You want to hear uh, you want to hear me tell you the truth. President Biden's telling me right here that you can't get COVID if you get the vaccine. I heard that. That's the damn president of the United States. And now I got Matt Sterling on Twitter is all mad. Uh, Big old dude bearded. Host and audio creator for the Keeper's Corner podcast. All right. Now he's ripping on people. And when the hell did our most tolerant 
become such absolute jackasses. Our most top man disagree with our most tolerant, and they'll let you have it, baby. Yeah, they will. That was a great segment with Ian. We got great segments. The people that write for this store, uh, this show, are fantastic. How much of COVID boiled down to money? No, oh, child, please, child, please. You know monkeypox. You know monkeypox was floated out there. Hey, let's see if we can get another scare going. Look, you saw it yesterday. Whatever that woman's name is, Jenny Lane from ESPN, tried to bring race. If you cannot bring race and division into it, liberals can't do squat. That's all they got. That's it. Nothing else. Common sense? Absolutely not. Science? No. Record? No. Division, which, by the way, Todd Bowles shot down. And, hey, look, we got monkeypox. Oh, really? Really, you, 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 you swung and missed on the country, really losing its mind over something because, uh, you know, orgies. Son of a biscuit maker, this show is good. It gets better. Trey Wallace and I are going to discuss. Is Bryce Young going to play? Is he going to play? God, this is a good show. Son of a gun, I'm impressed with myself today. Man, be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Son of a biscuit maker, is this a great show. Man, and it only gets better. My friend Trey Wallace. You see him, you know him, you love him, you read him. He is live, ladies and gentlemen, from Knoxville. We were talking off air. I love, I know Indiana football is not the SEC, but I'll tell you this. There were times when Michigan or Ohio State, maybe Wisconsin, Iowa came in to Bloomington as a top five team. The energy on a college football weekend is insane, and I got to believe it is 20 times the insanity at Knoxville where you're at, big boy. It is. um, I tell you, it's crazy. You know, and I experienced, you know, I covered that Florida-Tennessee game, I think it was three weeks ago now, and and that one was wild. And, and, And... you know, I, I watched that Woodstock 99 documentary recently on Netflix, and I have a feeling it's going to look like that Saturday night at Tennessee pulls <laughs> out this win. There's going to be couches burn, tires burn, people storming the field, goalposts in the river. It has potential, but, but we all know Alabama can come in here and just wreck all that one day. Does in Bloomington, when a big basketball win happens, everybody runs to the fountain. There's a fountain in the middle of campus. You know, we know about Toomer's Corner, right? Used to be you tore down the goalpost, took it to the river, and, and threw it uh, uh, in the Olatangi River at Ohio State, right? Or at a big house, you took it to the top and you threw it off the side. Is there anything Tennessee does? Is there like any tradition that you know of if they get a big win? So they haven't had one in a while, like of this magnitude. Um, but the last time, so it was 1998, Steve Spurrier versus Philip Fulmer 
It ends in overtime when Florida misses a field goal. The fans rush the field. It's funny, CBS had those expensive cameras they would put on the goalpost. Well, the goalpost came down. They both ended up on Cumberland Avenue. And then the camera as well ended up in the Tennessee River. So it, it, we're going to find out what new traditions they probably have this weekend when it comes to potentially tearing down a post. But uh, they got to win first. But, yes, there, there is some wild stuff that goes on on campuses all over and including Tennessee. So it, it's going to be a crazy environment Saturday. It, it just It's going to be jacked up. I don't know how to explain it. It, it. It's like, you know, you're in the middle of Scarface. You put a bunch of fans down. You know that one scene just sticks his head into the plate. So that's what it's going to be like on Saturday. Hey, uh, is there any word? We were talking about it a little earlier. Is there any word on whether or not uh, Bryce Young is good to go, or is this going to be a game-time decision? Uh, I think this is going to be a, a game-time decision. He's been practicing this week, but it's been limited, Dan. Uh, that that throwing arm, you know, there's there's certain passes he can make and certain passes he can't. But, but to be honest with you, he's just going to have to pay, play through pain. And it, it, Alabama's going to need him on Saturday. I mean, it, it's simply put, they're, they're going to need him if they're going to win that football game. Um, so, you know, there's been optimism out of Tuscaloosa. I've talked with a few folks this week, you know, and I know Saban keeps saying game time decision. I truly believe that, but it's up to Bryce. And you know Bryce is going to want to play, but here's the problem for Bryce. Tennessee's going to bring six or seven guys and blitz like crazy, and they're going to try to put him on his rear end in the first quarter four or five times and try to knock him out of the game. So – that's why I said in my column that, that I we're going to see two quarterbacks on Saturday for Alabama. Maybe three. Alabama, does Alabama have a second-slash-third-string quarterback issue going on? They, they, they got Jalen Milrow, who, who won the game against A&M last week, and then they've got a kid named Ty Simpson, who's a third-string quarterback. He's from the state of Tennessee. Uh, his dad coached at UT Martin. Uh, he's the third string. And I don't know, social media nowadays, kids get on there, they like tweets or they retweet stuff. And you can't keep up with damn 18 to 21 year old kids. I, you know, that's why I don't cover recruiting. I'm not calling a recruit, a 16 year old kid, you know, at midnight to ask about a visit. Um, you know, so. I don't know. I, I think it's much to do about nothing. Um, but honestly, there is a scenario where this third-string quarterback plays on Saturday. And maybe he will get his uh, his Twitter, you know, impressions up if, if he hops in. But I, do, I, don't, I don't care. I don't care about some kid liking a tweet. Hell, I like tweets just to go back and read them. They're like bookmarks for me. I might not like what they're saying, but I want to read it, so I'll like it, and then I'll go back, and I'll just read it later, then unlike it if I don't like it. It's a bookmark. You know what? Which I've gotten, I do a I've gotten trouble I'll, for. <laughs> I, do a, I do a segment called What the Hell Wednesday. So when I see something stupid, I'll just like it. You know what I mean? And I've done that for years, and people will come back and say, well, you see, Dockage is a degenerate. He liked this tweet about two birds humping. You see, Doc? 
No. And then, actually, my producer showed me how to actually bookmark things. But that's too difficult. All I got to do is hit a like. I just hit like. People lose their mind when you just like something to go back. I'm so glad you said that, Trey, because I have said that for years. I, 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 I just get you out of trouble. I just got you out of trouble with a lot of people. <laughs> Congratulations. I do it too. I might not like it, but I'm going to click on it. I'm going to like the right. button. And I'm going to go back and read it. I had the other day, there was something, I don't know, there was like a fight and people were jumping over a thing in McDonald's, you know, or whatever. I, it was chicken, maybe it was Chick-fil-A. And I liked it. And I had about five people, well, yeah, you like things like that because it shows uh, whatever. And I'm like, no, I, I, it might be a candidate for what the hell Wednesday. You, you know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> come on. Like, I'll you, man, we're in a, we're in a different day and age, man. I can't keep up with all these social media posts. Oh, hey, uh, you are in Knoxville, and I know you've got to run here in a few minutes. But when you when you go, will you have the opportunity uh, to talk, maybe at a press conference or individual to to both of the coaches? This is this is just I mean, it's not just another big game to Saban, but he's been in so many. This is a I got to tell you, this is a season, career, program-changing thing for Tennessee, is it not? You know, it, it really is because you, you you beat Florida, and it's like, okay, you beat Florida. Congrats. Like, okay, good for you. You you go on the road and you beat LSU the way they did last weekend. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. This team might be for real. You beat Alabama on Saturday? You can say we're back, and 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 I think that's what I think that's what Tennessee. I think that's what the administration is kind of building off of. But here's the thing, too: it's understandable. Tennessee and Alabama can lose this game. Neither one can lose this game on Saturday and still be playing for an SEC championship come December. Um, and, and and I think that's the biggest takeaway: is okay if you lose, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you've still got a shot at Atlanta. Uh, so I I. This is such a big game for Tennessee, to be honest with you, because they haven't been in this spot in a long time. And, and I think that's what makes it even crazier, I think, with the fan base. And I think it's such a recruiting tool. I mean, Tennessee's going to have over like 60 visitors this weekend on campus. Uh, a lot of them are unofficial, but they're soaking it all in. And, and I think that it's such a marketing tool as well to have all these media entities in town. Um, you're going to have Peyton Manning out there as a, a guest picker. You're going to have big noon kickoff spots with, you know, with Clay. Um, you know, the the, the four-letter network's going to be here all weekend. It's it just – this is what you live for for college football. And as somebody who covers college football, man, these type of games, they it's just a it grabs you. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I think it's I think it's going to be a, a close one. I think it gets down to the fourth quarter. Um, but um, but yeah, this is why you do it. And um, and we'll see. There's a you know there's another sleeper game north of me, about 170 miles away in Lexington, where Mark Stoops in Kentucky cannot afford another loss. And if the pirate Mike Leach goes into Lexington and wins that football game, there are going to be some pissed-off Kentucky fans. And I'm there for it. 
because it was the first time in my life, I think I told you this, I was playing golf in Chicago. Two kids come up to me. They're college kids. They go, hey, Dan, uh, how about Kentucky? I go, I think they're going to be pretty good. I was talking about basketball. No, 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 no. We're talking about football. And I told him, I got to tell you. It's the first time in my life anybody came up to me that I didn't know talking about Kentucky football, and they were too cocky. You know what I mean? They were too <laughs> arrogant, too cocky. Smack them around. It's a basketball school, Trey. I know you got to run. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, man, I appreciate you having me. Have a good weekend just sitting back, enjoying football. Started off with a little Big Ten, you know, at noon. Then you can veer over to, to Tennessee, Alabama. And then you can end your night with a hated rivalry between Florida, LSU, or, you know, Clemson's playing them well. I hope you have a great weekend and enjoy it, my brother. Thank you, my friend. You, I know you're going to have a great weekend. I know that. There you go. All right. Off he goes, as my friend Mark Packer used to say. Trey Wallace, fantastic. All right, here's the deal. Let, uh, quit screwing around. All right. All right. I gave you the bets. I'm going to give you more bets. But the bets that I gave you, we're taking the Colts as the big bet. And go to DraftKings. Make damn sure you go to OutKick uh, Bets. I don't, put that thing up on the screen. I always forget what it is. But I'm telling you right now, uh, new users, $5. You get $200 in free bets. All you can do is go to OutKick.com slash bet. It'll take you right to where you need to go, which is DraftKings. I've given you bets. But I also got to talk about something else. Let me tell you something. Just because you are the host or an editor or you think like you are a liberal doesn't mean you got all the answers. And it doesn't mean that every single time you make a statement against somebody that doesn't think like you, you got to crush the person. I got all these old guys on Twitter just angry, angry. No, look, if you disagree, disagree. Why we got to be so nasty at the end? Look, if you don't think like me, you're dead wrong, okay? That's all I got for you. You're dead wrong. I would assume that everybody listening to this show would adopt whatever I have to say into their lives, and their lives would be much better. That's what I'm going <laughs> to assume. And I don't think it's an unreasonable assumption. But when you don't think like me, I don't say, well, you know, here's why I disagree with you. And then I call you an idiot. Our most tolerant are certainly not very tolerant. And I would like to know why. I wish this was a call-in show. Hey, congratulations to my friend Dave Carroll. He's asking me, what are my bets? All right, Dave, you live in Indy. I'm going to give you my bets. Get a pen and paper, all of you. All of you get a pen and paper. I made this a parlay. I also made it pretty much individually. You ready? Colts minus two is my comeback bet. If we lose every bet this weekend, everyone, Colts minus two at home against the Jags, we'll put down thousands to make up for it. I don't bet that much. I like talking like I bet that much, but I don't bet that much. All right, so that's numero uno. Clemson at Florida State, three and a half. I would like to get rid of the hook. I don't like the hook. I think Florida State stinks. I think Clemson's coming on. I think this is at least a touchdown. That's my number two favorite bet. It's Saturday night. All right. Numero three. 
and four. Look, Illinois is playing just fine. Tommy DeVito's the quarterback. There's some question about Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito was at Syracuse. Tommy DeVito is a tough kid. If Tommy DeVito can walk, he'll play. Bielema and his crew seem to be a connected group. When you go into Wisconsin, with all that was going on for Brett Bielema, going back to Wisconsin, his wife had tweeted out when they were at Arkansas, karma at the people, all that stuff. Okay. All right. He goes back to Wisconsin, beats the crap out of him. Paul Chris gets fired. Man, I'll take six and a half at home against Row Your Boat Guy. I got to tell you, Row Your Boat Guy is a fine coach, P.J. Fleck. He is a good coach. He's done a nice, nice job. But Row Your Boat Guy will wear you out. I mean, one of the reasons that I liked playing football or basketball, I didn't play football, for Bob Knight was I like that even though he was crazy, I like crazy. Even though he was demanding, I like demanding. Even though he swore, I like swearing. I got no problem with any of it. He was cool. Coach Knight was cool. I, I couldn't have my coach running down the sidelines. Now, when you look at Minnesota, the only team, I guess, that they've played is Purdue. Michigan State stinks. Colorado, awful. Whatever is WIU, and they've won by a million. Only good team they played, Purdue, they got thumped. Now, they've had a week off. Does that matter? Don't know. A guy like Roll Your Boat Guy could get you tired. A guy like Roll Your Boat Guy could make you sore. A guy like Roll Your Boat Guy can be like, hey, coach, shut up. Like, I was just right there. I watched that show, 30 Rock, that Jim Parsons guy yesterday. I'd never watched it. I wanted to tell him to shut up. So what did I do? I turned the channel. All right, Dave, I'm taking them, six and a half. Last bet on my docket. There will be more. I'm going to take Kansas because I believe Kansas is a real team. Getting nine against Oklahoma. I also believe that Oklahoma is one of those teams that, frankly, is crap in the bed. No, I'm serious about it. Crap in the bed. Uh, they They don't like their coach. They don't like anything about each other. And anybody that says anything differently is insane. They're insane. They don't know. When you lose that bad to your rival and you don't even compete, you got one of three things and maybe all three. Number one, you got bad coaching. I don't think they have bad coaching. I think Brett Venables has the, has the chops fine. Uh, that's one. Number two, bad players. I do think they have bad players. I don't think they have really good players. I just don't. They lost a wide receiver from last year, talking about Oklahoma, lost quarterback. I don't think they have good players. And three, they ain't ready to win. They ain't ready to win a damn thing. So there you go. All right. Coach on the hot seat. It's my guy. Last week, I gave you coach on the hot seat. You know who I gave you? Matt Rule. I gave you Matt Rule. Matt Rule was uh, low-hanging fruit, like an old man's testes, just low. Matt Rule got fired. Frank Reich, you see the record right there. It's a little bit, I don't know, it's a little bit misleading. Let's take 11 and 6 out of it, 11 and 5 out of it one year. So that's 28 and 25. They had Philip, I don't know. You can't take the good out if you're going to keep the bad in. So, okay. But Frank Reich, as, well, he was presented with a challenge 
Last year, they lost to Jacksonville at Jacksonville, and the week before that, lost to Oakland at home, costing the Colts a playoff spot. After the game, Jimmy Ursay, the owner, did something Jimmy Ursay has never done. After the game, upon arrival back in Indy, he called the general manager, Chris uh, Ballard and Frank Reich, into his office for a session, a session that was going to determine which guy stayed, do both, do neither, don't know. They came out of it, both stayed. However, from that point on, Jimmy Ursay, the owner, has made a number of videos. And in those videos, he has talked about chips all in. We're not going to let the same thing happen that happened last year. And he also talked not about Jacksonville, but he talked about the Tennessee Titans. And when the owner is talking like that, you got a real problem as a general manager and as a coach. Now, how did this work? Well, it didn't work well so far. Colts did get a win last week against the Broncos, which probably saved this year for both of those men. However, now they play Jacksonville, a team that, oh, by the way, beat them 24 to nothing in arguably the worst performance in these guys' era. I don't know if there's been worse. It's hard to rank them. Last year, last game against Jacksonville was so horrible. I think this was worse. Frank Reich then now plays Jacksonville. He plays them at home, a place where the Colts haven't lost to Jacksonville in forever. The Colts lose at Jacksonville, but they always win at home. All eyes on this weekend in Indianapolis. It would be hard, very hard, to justify keeping Frank Reich these next two weeks if they lose this week at home to Jacksonville and next week on the road at the Titans. That makes this game so important. A lot of people are saying, well, when you watch the Jacksonville Colts game, Colts were outclassed. A lot of people, two of them actually, that were on the trip to Jacksonville said, you got on that plane after the first Jacksonville-Indianapolis game, and you felt like Jacksonville had surpassed the Colts as an organization. Think about that. We shall see what we shall see. It's going to come down to whether or not the Colts can get pass rush, whether the big money guys, the five-digit money guys, I'm sorry, I lied, the eight-digit money guys, the tens-plus million-dollar Ngakwe, DeForest Buckner, Defoe, as you all call them, play. They played last week. They were all right last week. It also depends if Matt Ryan can continue to find Alec Pierce and or his tight ends. We shall see what we shall see. But Frank Reich is running on empty. Frank Reich's now nah, is boom. Got to get a win. Got to win one of these two. You lose both of these, I could see Frank Reich being let go. He's on the hot seat. And don't get on the double D hot seat. You get on this hot seat like Matt Rule, you're unemployed. Hey, look, Matt Rule, no problem. He's getting 60 million. I want to be Matt Rule. He's fine. He'll be fine. But Frank Wright, he is on the hot seat. What a great week this week. I thank all of you. Uh, What do we got in terms of, ladies and gentlemen, in terms of the Wokadope? Where are we with the Wokadope? Oh, this is unbelievable. Uh, The gesture is hostile and unsettling. I'm going to talk the rest of this show. Reddit users kiss my backside. Reddit users, this country wasn't built on that kind of softness. This country wasn't built on, that's unsettling to me. Shut up.
Just shut the living hell up. Oh my God, uh, I'm not comfortable and it is unsettling. I don't like it. Shut up. Hey, uh, I don't like it. It's unsettling to me. Shut up. Hey, Dan, I don't like it. It's unsettling to me. Shut up. I don't care. Boy, girl, mom, dad, iron worker, far- farmer, media host. If, if this is unsettling to you, I got two words for you. Shut the living hell up, to quote Joe Biden. We whine about everything, and I always have this answer, and I always will have this answer. What a great country. You think they're worried about it in the Middle East? You think one of the things that they wake up today and go, huh, you know what? I'm really upset about thumbs up. No, they're worried about being bombed. Worried about where they're going to eat. We worry about the most dipstick things. Well, you know, it really unsettles me. Yeah? What does that mean? Unsettling. Can you put that up again? Do you guys mind? I know, you know, it's just so ridiculous to me. Reddit users. I bet you there's three. There's probably three purple-haired whatever that are like, well, you know, it really unsettles me. You know, Don Kinch, you don't understand people. You're right. I don't. I will tell you point blank. I don't understand how it is unsettling to give a thumbs up. I don't understand that saying okay is some kind of racist slur. I don't understand. I don't. I don't understand how any free thinking human being can actually say that they support what Joe Biden has done to the American people. I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. You can call me any kind of is that you'd like. You can call me any kind of hater that you would like. You can call me anything you'd like, and I'll say, I, I guess, if you say so. But I have said forever, I do not understand. I do not understand how people change narratives so frequently and so easily. I had a guy yesterday tell me that, well, since I want gas prices down and I don't like inflation and I want the stock market up, that somehow I say the gas prices are the result of inflation. People are nuts. So uh, I'm going to end the show like I started it, like a good novel, like a good uh, newspaper article, which really there are no more such things. I'm going to end where I started. Put it away. Put it away. Unless you're advertising something like I will be for the rest of the day on this show. The ladies of Orange County or Beverly Hills, I don't know which one. Lee was watching, so I was watching. They've made millions. Their makeup costs more than my house. Their dresses cost more than the entire city of Indianapolis. And they're whining because social media was mean to them. Don't read it novel. Don't read it. You got to post something, post something. Don't read it. If it's going to upset you, don't read it. If it's going to amuse you, read it. If it's going to get you cranky, make a decision. It's simple. When did, where did it say in your lifetime, you know, you got to get a job, you got to get an education and you got to read social media. No. Don't, hey, ladies of Orange County or, or Beverly Hills, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry all the trauma that you're going through. I really, I mean, I, honest to goodness. 
I mean, somebody was mean to you on social media. Somebody attacked your kid on social media. Welcome to my world. Welcome to everybody's world. Welcome to the world of sports. Who cares? Move along. It's literally that simple. Man, oh man. So this weekend, you're going to hear from me on social media about a couple of things. One, I am going to promote my show. And I want, I would love for you to retweet it so we get up to 30 to 40,000 viewers, at least external. Two, I'm going to tell you who to bet. Because, well, frankly, I want everybody to win money, and I feel myself, when I'm disciplined, to be a betting god. <laughs> Not really. And three, I'll probably post something about Traders Point Christian Church. My wife is home, so we'll go to the church. When my wife isn't home, I'm not proud to say, I watched the church online. In fact, last week, I didn't because I was golfing. Bad guy. But anyway, I thank OutKick for the opportunity. I thank my friend Aaron for the help. I thank my friends Ryan and Dylan for everything that they do for this show. They are doing a bang-up job. OutKick has become, if not it hasn't already, the only source of trusted sports media, the only source of trusted political views, the only source of COVID coverage. It has. So I would love for everybody to have a great weekend. I'm going to go do a show from noon to 3 on 1075thefan.com. I hope you'll go over there and join me. Frank Reich is on the hot seat. Don't at me. See ya.